following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We are going to um, kind of wrap up our Sunday or our sermon series on prayer but it is really not wrapping it up. Amen? I just really believe that um, that the Lord is starting something new. It's not really new, but he's taking us deeper in the whole area of prayer. And this, this week of prayer and fasting, for you, those of you that participated in different ways, um, today is a glorious day because it's we're coming to an end, and we're looking forward to kind of uh, celebrating this time with communion together, but it really is the beginning of the invitation of God into a deeper life of prayer. And um, I was going to wrap up my uh, sermon from the last time that I preached with some more keys to cultivating a prayer life. I think what I'm going to do is probably just make that available in some other way. I can get you that information um, in another way. But what I do want to talk about, one of the most important keys, we talked uh, last time about how recognizing that prayer is about intimacy is really the place to start. Um, and that, that's what we started with a couple weeks ago, just recognizing that our prayer life um, is, is birthed by intimacy, it's sustained by intimacy, and the power of it is in the intimacy that we have with the Lord. Because we come into a place of knowing his heart and being able to begin to speak out his will. Uh, we come into agreement with him. We come into partnership with what he's doing on the earth. Even these things that we're talking about, that the Lord can turn the hearts of leaders, we want to know what it is that God wants to do so we can come into agreement with that, that our words can come into agreement with that. And so it comes from that place of intimacy. Really knowing his heart comes from the place of intimacy. Um, there's, there's some other aspects, and as I said, I'll make that available in a different way. I'm not sure what that is yet. It'll probably be at the Welcome Center next week and maybe online somewhere. But the one that I really want to land on today is we need to come to prayer with anticipation and expectation. That is a key to a, a thriving prayer life, that we come into prayer with expectation. There's a lot of different expectations that we put on things. I don't, I don't know, maybe you come to church with certain expectations of what's going to happen. I know I did. I came to church with expectations about what's going to happen. And I love when God messes with that. But, but there, is, there is an expectation that we can come to prayer with that, that God is going to do something, that God is going to show up. I don't know if you come to your times of prayer, you come to prayer with low expectation or high expectation. Maybe, you know, sometimes people go, you know, well, I'm just a, I'm just a realist, I'm a pessimist, that's my personality. And so you come to prayer with that personality. I don't know. Maybe you come to prayer with, with low expectations because you've been disappointed. Because you've had times where you have prayed for things and God did not answer the prayer in the way that, that you prayed. You didn't see it come to pass in the way that, that you prayed into it. 
And so there's a place in you that, that has kind of a lowered expectation of the power of prayer. And I really believe that the Lord wants to minister to that place in us because the Christian life is a life of expectation and anticipation. The Christian life uh, and a thriving prayer life has to have expectation underneath it. That we can have high expectations for what God is going to do, even if we have felt left down or let down or disappointed, that we would let God come in and heal that in us so that we can step into prayer again with that expectation and anticipation. When we go into a time of prayer, we should expect that God's going to do something significant in our midst. We should come to church expecting that because we're, we're coming together in the presence of God and we can expect that he's going to do something. God or Jesus made outrageous statements about prayer. Let's look at um, Matthew 21, 22. Jesus said, well, I'm sorry, let's start with verse 21 in chapter 21. Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree. This is after he had uh, cursed the fig tree and it had withered. You will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. That is outrageous. That is a radical statement that is meant to do something on the inside of us. Can I just tell you, in my, my, uh, where I'm at in prayer, it does something on the inside of me. It actually irritates me a little, that statement. I'm just being honest because I go, you know what, Lord? I, I haven't seen that in a while in some of the situations in my life. And yet, these are the words of Jesus. This isn't the only place that he talks about that. There's another place that he talks about that in John 15, where he says, and whatever you ask will be done for you. But do you know the context of that? The context of that is, when you abide in me, you will ask, and it'll be done for you. And so there's this, this, we cannot separate prayer from intimacy of pressing into the heart of God and knowing his will. We cannot separate it. But we also can't separate prayer from anticipation and believing that something happens when we pray. I believe that what the Lord was stirring up today during worship and with the testimonies and all that he brought, it was to preach this sermon. So that's awesome that we're going to be taking communion in five minutes. Because he, he was preaching that sermon by his spirit. He's saying, you can anticipate that I will move when you pray. You can anticipate that, that the presence of Jesus in the room changes things. And that we carry that. We carry it really well when we spend time with him in prayer. Amen? So we can anticipate that he's that something is going to happen when we pray. The entire Christian life is really 
It's about waiting on him. It's about waiting, not the kind of passive waiting where we get on our phone to flip through because we're waiting and we're bored and we can't have three seconds without some kind of input. Not that kind of waiting, but the kind of waiting that eagerly looks for him to move. The kind of waiting that it's like an active waiting. Like when you know somebody's coming and you keep looking out the window to see if they've pulled in yet. He wants to stir that in us again, that we are waiting for him to move. Why? Because I've been in the secret place with him. And he's told me some things. And it seems outrageous and radical and unbelievable what he says is possible and what he wants to do. But I am waiting. I am looking out the window. I am speaking the words that he gave me to speak, whether it's in the word here or whether it's in the secret place where he says, you can wait for this with expectation. God is establishing a praying church again. But guess what that means? He's establishing a waiting church again. <laughs> that we are waiting expectantly for him to move. Here's what we know that we can expect when we pray. We can expect that God will meet with us. We can expect when we pray, when we go into that place and we separate ourselves unto prayer, that he's going to meet us in that place. Do you know that that is probably more powerful than the actual result of the prayer that I'm praying for? To know that in when I come into that place of prayer, he's going to be there. He's going to meet with me. He's going to, his presence is going to be there and it's going to strengthen me and he's going to speak things to me. When I separate to prayer, God's going to meet with me. I don't know what's going to happen when I get there, but I know he's going to be there. If we, if we want to have a thriving prayer life, we need to recognize that's, that is, uh, that's the meat of prayer is the fact that God's going to meet with me. Oh, get it? Meet. I didn't even do that on purpose. Say this out loud. When I pray, God meets with me. We can, we can expect that. Okay. Sorry. We'll do better next time. So, so, you know, sometimes we can say, we can look at situations, we can go, I don't... Where is God? How many of you have said that? Recently even. Where is God in this? Where is God? It's really easy. He says where he's going to be. He's going to be where I meet with him, where I separate myself unto prayer. In Matthew 6, 6, he says, When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Where is God? He's in the secret place. He's in the place that I will separate from everything else to just be with him. Because we can expect that he'll meet with us when we separate. Maybe your room is in your car on your commute. Maybe your room is your walk in the morning or in the afternoon. Maybe your room, if you're a mom and you have a bunch of kids, is the restroom. <laughs> Because that's the only place you can be alone, maybe, sometimes, maybe not. Yeah. 
But it's important that you have that place. Maybe your room is five minutes of, of just getting away. He's going to meet with you. The other thing that we can expect when we pray is that God will speak to me. We can expect that. That not only will he meet with me, but he'll speak to me. Say that out loud. When I pray, God speaks to me. Amen. He wants to speak to us. We know that this is important because Jesus says in Matthew 4, 4, that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That means in this word, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that is continually proceeding from the mouth of God. That when I come into that place of stepping away into prayer, that he will meet with me, he will be there, and he will speak to me. Now, one of the issues we sometimes have is that we need God to be really, really loud because we aren't able to separate or not willing to separate to listen. It's not true. It's like, oh, it's so weird. Every time I pray, God speaks. No, he's always speaking. But when I separate and I I say, okay, now, what are you saying, God? What are you saying in this time? What do you want me to know? What secrets do you have for me? Because this is what I'm hearing out here. All this noise over here. This is what it's saying. What's your secret, God? What are you doing in the room? What is your heart for this? What is your hope for this? He wants to speak those things to us. When we, when we fast, this is one of the reasons that we fast. Because we're making a statement that says, my source isn't in this or this or this or this, whatever it is that, that the Lord had you separate from during the fast. But my source is in your words alone. I feed on your words. The reality is, I feed on a lot of different words, if I'm just being honest. But when I make space and I say the, pri- the primary part of my diet is going to be his words. That's powerful. I can carry something different. So he meets with us, and he speaks with us. And the, the last thing that we can expect is that he moves for us. And this is the part that sometimes challenges us, doesn't it? That, yes, I can believe God's going to be there, and I can believe he can speak. But we can come to God in prayer with an anticipation that he's going to move. In some ways, we can come to God in anticipation that he already is moving, (laughs) but that we can get behind that. We can press into that. I don't understand it, but our prayers move the heart of God. I don't understand how that works. Because I believe in a a sovereign God. I believe in a God who is bringing all things to the glory of his son. And he's worked that out. But there is something about when we pray that moves the heart of God. Isaiah 64.4 says, Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has any eye seen 
any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. What Isaiah is saying is that what separates my God from every other God, lowercase g, what separates my God from any other thing I could put my attention on, any other person that I could have my hope in, is that he acts for the one who waits for him. So we, we can believe that he will act on our behalf, that he moves for us. I believe that there are doors that are yet to be opened simply because we haven't asked. There are things that haven't shifted because we haven't asked him to move in those areas. And I can ask with such confidence when I come into the place first to meet with him. And then I know his presence is there. And then, and then I let him speak. Prayer is, I think, more about listening than speaking, by the way. And then I can ask. And I can have confidence that he's going to move on my behalf. Amen? Amen. So... We are asking the Holy Spirit, oh, say this. <laughs> when I pray, when I pray God, moves. God moves. Amen. Okay. Amen. So we can have that expectation. And, and I believe that this is what Jesus is inviting us to. Do you know, Jesus is constantly inviting. It's like his nature. He's constantly inviting us into things. He's not telling us, you need to do this and this and this and this. He's saying, I want to invite you into something. I want to invite you into this, this intimacy with me. And that's really what communion is about. Communion was an invitation that Jesus gave to come closer. It was an invitation that he gave to partner with me. We sang this morning about that that Jesus would be glorified. I don't remember the exact lyrics at this exact moment, but it had to do with Jesus receiving his glory. Wrecks me every time because there's a longing in me for Jesus to receive his glory. And in communion, he, part of his glory came through the brokenness of his body and the spilling of his blood. And he, in communion, he's offering that to us and saying, Participate with me in me receiving glory. I'm inviting you into that with me. So that not only when Jesus walks in the room, but now he's saying, when, when you walk into the room full of who I am, everything changes and Jesus gets glory. This is who we are. This is what he's convincing us of. This is what he's inviting us to. We talked about in Mark 3, 13, that he called those he wanted and he came to them first to be with him. He's calling us first to be with him. He removed the broken body and the shed blood was to remove every separation from being with him. It made us worthy to walk in that glory with him. That's heady stuff. Jesus explained 
that the meal that they were about to take was the mark of the start of a new covenant between God and his people, an invitation to be with him with no separation. So this morning, that's what we want to respond to as we take communion. He wants to meet with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to move for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.